Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Anna Andrew. God is so good. The encounters this week have been amazing. It's just been such a great time to be able to come into his presence and have that intimate connection with our God and it's just been so so good and I believe that we as church as the body of Christ are breaking through some things that have held us back for such a long time and I'm expectant I'm just expectant of what God is going is doing and for some of you out there it may be really scary and for others it may be really exciting and for some you may be like yes hope hope of freedom has finally come so join with me this morning as we just carry on this series of of the culture of what it's like what does it mean to be in a culture of grace and And for us, it's not a series. This is so much more. This is who we are and God's heart for us. So I just want to say a massive hello and welcome to those of you that are in Horsham congregation, a big hi. Um, Those of you that are in Worthing and those of you that are in Burgess Hill, I just want to say it's a privilege to be able to be bringing the word to you. And anybody else that is watching from anywhere else, a big massive welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. And to me, really, This whole message of what does grace mean and what does it mean to be in a culture of grace? (laughs) Well, you're going to have an opportunity to practice those things that we've been learning recently. And those things, you know, about practice love and tolerance and forgiveness and long suffering. I'm going to give you the opportunity to practice those things today on me. So you're welcome. So. Last week, if you have watched the message that Colin brought, um, it just, it was just amazing. If you've not seen it, I would please really, really encourage you to check out the message from last week that Colin Squires brought. It's powerful. It's probably one of the most um, profound, um, inspiring, encouraging, God-breathed words that I've ever heard. And when I was sat there in Crawley last week listening to Colin, I was so emotional. My heart of love, of thank God, thank God that we are going there. Thank God that God is just bringing this out into the light. Thank God that somebody is brave enough to stand up and say all of this because God is a God of restoration. God is a God of hope. God is a God of freedom. So I was just so emotional last week and I just um, I feel a little bit intimidated after speaking speaking now after Colin brought the message last week because I thought it was just so good so filled with richness that I think it'll be important that we watch a few times just to get more out of what he brought because there was so much in there the essence though of what Colin brought what he communicated was no more hiding No more shame, no more allowing the enemy to have access to our minds, our hearts and our lives. And we're speaking out to break the silence of shame. He said as well that guilt 
causes us to receive, causes us to seek after forgiveness. It causes us to go to God. It causes guilt, causes us to, to come to him, to the one who will forgive us, who, who is able, who has made the way for us to receive that forgiveness. Guilt pushes us to Jesus, but shame causes us to run and hide. Remembering that guilt says, I did bad, and shame says, I am bad. Shame can go to the very core of who we are. And that's where God wants to shine the light so that we're not living with those wrong core beliefs, that we know who we are in Christ. We all heard how shame makes us hide in fear of rejection. And we can all fear rejection. We all want to hide sometimes. You know, vulnerability is not pleasant. It's uncomfortable. And we will avoid it at all costs as we think it shows weakness. Second Corinthians 12, 9, 11 says this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Powerful words. And if we got to the heart of what that means for us, I believe it's life transforming. We heard from Clive in the first pre-record that love is needed to enable vulnerability. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honour, honour one another above yourself. And John 13, 3, 5 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So relationships are needed. We heard from Colin how crucial it's been a part of his story. We are relational beings made to be in relationship with others. Um, I was reading a book called um, These Three Things, which I highly recommend. And in that, it said, relationship is vital to our identity as it's in our relationships that we discover who we are. I know for me, these last few years have been the most honest, vulnerable and real. And it has enabled me to know a freedom that I have never experienced before. So in relationships, you, um, you see areas where you're blind to, things that you're not aware of, and you unravel lives, lies that you didn't know you were believing. We need relationship with each other to be able 
to see those things, to be able to walk that out and to be to enable freedom. I want to focus on um, a story in, the, story in the Bible today. We've all heard the story and if you've not heard this story, please check it out. It's in John 8, 1 to 11. And it's a story of a woman caught in adultery. And in this story, she was caught in the very act of adultery and she was brought before a crowd, her community, she was brought before a crowd. And uh, in this community, there was no grace. There was no grace. And in that culture, in that day, that they had the right and it was law that somebody caught in adultery, you, could, you would need to stone them to death. And she was brought before her community and they were all ready to throw the first stone. We could say this was probably the worst day of her life, that not only had she been caught, she was brought and exposed before her whole community. She was laid bare for all to see, laid bare for all her community to see her shame, her secret life. It was laid bare, it was exposed. It was the worst day for her. Not only was it being exposed, her shame and her sin was exposed for all to see, but she had the very threat of losing everything. Her status, her family, everything, but not only that, losing her life. And actually what would have been a very, very painful death. So we then pick up the story at that point of being exposed. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. The woman was standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. So on that very day, the worst day of her life, in that moment about to be murdered, she met with Jesus, who not only saved her life, but showed her grace through forgiveness. That love changed her life and set her free. What was her worst day now became the best day of her life. That's the day that her life started. That's the day that she was forgiven. And that's the day that she was set free. Sometimes we fear 
being exposed. The worst day. But that will stop us having our best days. Those best days of receiving forgiveness and a new life of freedom. I'd like to ask you a question, and this is to me as well. Are we ready to give someone grace when they've made or making choices we don't like? Are we ready to give ourselves grace, knowing that we've made mistakes and have not lived as we should? The next question I'd like to challenge and ask you is, where do we run and where is our dependence? So, sexual addiction is not just a man's problem, it's a people's problem. And this could look like a spouse struggling with addiction to pornography. It could look like you struggling with pornography. It could also be you navigating your children through a very sexually broken world. It could also look like love addiction, where we desperately seek for someone to meet our needs, only to find ourselves making wrong relationship choices. We were created to be in relationship with God. That was the design. We were created to be in relationship with Him first. Our significance, self-worth and security are to be met by God. If we are not going to God for any of these things, we will seek them out in other places. Significance could be sought after with a drive for position and power. And this could look like a drive for career, career, never being satisfied, needing more, wanting more, better job, better house. And you know, none of these things are bad. They're not bad. It's not bad to want a house. It's not bad to want a better job. But if it's filling the void that only God can satisfy, it will be a deep drive at the cost of other things. If our security is not rooted in God, we can feel very anxious. We can look for it by means of money or even marriage, to name only a few. If we look to other people for security, we will in fact feel more insecure. Money definitely is not something we can base our security in. As we've seen from these last few years, that many jobs, if our security is in those things, is very shaky ground. Where are you looking for your security? Our self-worth can only come from God, our creator, our father, the one who made us, created us, chose us, loves us. If we look to someone else for our self-worth, we will quickly be disappointed. 
So I want to share with you my story, because I don't know about you, sometimes it helps to connect and it helps to understand different people's lives and where they've come from. So I was raised in a Christian home, an amazing home, and I knew God, I did, I knew God powerfully, but I sought significant security and self-worth in other places. And if I'm honest, um, I didn't know or believe God could meet those needs. And maybe that's part of our problem is that we don't recognise that God can meet those needs. At a young age, I was exposed to sexual images and my worldview was formed from those. I learned what a woman should look like. I learned what a woman should act like. I learned that a woman should be desired by a man. I learned that a woman needed a man to desire her. And if she didn't receive that, she wasn't good enough. She needed to do everything she could to be wanted and to feel loved. This is the love addiction cycle. Sex and desire is confused with love. Without that love connection with the Lord, my attempt to meet those needs was a counterfeit. The more I gave myself and the more I desired that love, that acceptance and that need of attention, the more I felt shame and rejection. It's a cycle that's very hard to stop. After many, many years of failed relationships, many failed relationships, always seeming to choose the wrong men, I eventually gave up. And in a very powerful way, I cried out to the Lord and said, I give up, I can't do this, take over. It, my cry of my heart was, I surrender and I can't do this anymore. And in that moment, and in that moment, I came back to God to receive everything I needed from him. The very reason I left relationship on, with God was to go after love, fun, excitement, desire, the world. It all seemed very exciting to me, only to realise that the world cannot offer they cannot offer those things. There may be some excitement, but it's not lasting and it's not real. I then had to spend quite a long time going through a healing process 
of those years of not being in relationship with God. But God was gracious. He was loving. He restored what the enemy had stolen from me. God did an amazing, amazing time. It was an amazing time of intimacy with him and a time of not being in relationships. And he became my husband. He became my father. He became everything. I learned how to receive significance, self-worth and security from him. So years later, now happily married, married to an amazing man, godly man. That's what I prayed for. Um, really happy, settled. And I don't know where this came from or when it happened, but it seemed like all of a sudden there was a pull, a desire in me to see sexual images. And I don't know when it came in or how, but it was like all those things and my past was like a film being played out in my head. All those sexual images were back in my head after years of not being there at all. But I felt the desire to go there. I felt the desire, the pull to go and see sexual images. As a believer and as wife, shame came massively. Shame was there. I think to cope with shame, compromise came. And what I mean by compromise is those little things in our head that says, it's not that bad. It's not that often. It's okay. It's fine. It's not that bad. Compromise. So I prayed and I was saying to God, don't like this, don't want this, Paul, need to deal with this, don't know what to do, don't know how to do it. And God said something to me and he said, uh, tell someone. I said, no. And I thought it was a really rubbish idea. I thought there must be a way that I can just do this with God. That's it. That would be good. Let's just do it between me and you. Yeah, can we do that? And God said, tell someone. I waited on this for a while because I felt the fear of rejection. I felt the fear of judgment. But I knew I needed to do it. So I plucked up the courage and I spoke to a friend I said, I don't need you to say anything. I just need you to hear me. And in that moment, I spoke to her and that broke the power that it had on me. It was like coming out of darkness. It was like bringing it into God's light where the enemy could no longer use it against me. And I came into light where there's healing and forgiveness. Praise God, that's never been back. But I'm on God. I will not allow it. 
I'm aware of the enemy's schemes and I still have to be careful. God's not called us to be alone, but walk in relationship with others. For me, confessing to a friend was part of my healing journey. But confessing isn't the fix. It's just a start. The mind needs to be renewed. And a time of healing where there are wounds. Also recognising lies and replacing them with truth. In this church, we've been working for uh, quite a few years to get equipped to help love and support people into freedom. And that process had to start with us first. And this has enabled my husband, Rohan, to talk honestly about his struggles with pornography and also for me to communicate my struggles and how I felt. So I knew in the early years of our marriage that Rohan struggled. Don't worry about Rohan. Rohan knows I'm sharing this. This is okay. In the beginning, I forgave. But I was left feeling I'm not good enough. Remember that core belief that I had right at the beginning when I was a kid? I'm not good enough. And then we never talked about it again. How British is that? This then brought me back to that core belief, that wrong core belief, that I wasn't good enough, not slim enough, not attractive enough. I didn't acknowledge it at the time. I didn't realise it at the time. I just accepted his struggles were my fault. There was an elephant in the room and the shame of rejection kept us both in hiding. I would love to say that I've been a part of Rohan's healing and was gracious and loving. Like we heard from Colin last week and how he shared so beautifully about his wife, Kate, and how amazing she's been and how gracious and just being Jesus to him in his healing. I'd love to say that about me, but I really wasn't. I wasn't gracious and I wasn't loving. I've had to process my own healing journey, allowing God to show me lies I've been believing and keep coming back to where am I seeking my security, my self-worth and my significance from. Even though I'm married, I have to go to God first. We all have to, it's how he created us. Over the last number of years, I've been in groups. Conquer and women's groups have, we've learned how to offer grace and love to each other as we've been more vulnerable and honest. Do you know, I'm not ashamed of our story, my story, because of God's forgiveness and restoration. I know God will use our story for his glory. I want to share with you some steps. And this is mainly for women. 
These steps are towards grace. So my heart over these last few years has changed. I've gone from being angry with men in their exploitation of women to crying for the man who's trapped in sexual addiction. So ask for God's heart of compassion and recognise no one is without sin. Can any of us throw the first stone? For a wife now, allow him, allow him to get the support. Don't let your shame and your embarrassment hold him back from starting his healing journey. And understand that the process of recovery takes time. Try to understand that it's not about them praying more and doing more, being a better Christian. It's a brain issue, not a heart issue. And Colin's gonna be speaking more next week and explaining all what that means and understanding the process of renewing the mind. As Colin also mentioned last week, if this is not a conversation that you as a couple are already having, please don't go questioning. There will be the right time, I promise you, there will be the right time to talk. And sometimes it's better to allow the healing journey to begin before conversations happen. Give them grace. Offer the same love that we have received and pray for them. The husband's sexual addiction or struggle is never the wife's fault. Remember, it's not about sex. It goes much deeper. Medicating pain, numbing out, escaping. Colin will be going into more of these details next week. For a wife, there can be very strong feelings of betrayal, feeling cheated or lied to. This is also very important that you are able to process these emotions so that you can be heard and seen. It's part of your healing journey. As Colin said last week with the, the men's groups and the women's groups, that the women's groups aren't able to start straight away. And we're in a process of that. Please give me grace in that. We are trying to get groups going as soon as possible. Um, but if you want more information about women's groups, please email me at anna.andrew at kingdomfaith.com. If you need to get help regarding your healing journey or whether you're struggling or you're someone close to you is struggling. And for the men, if you'd like more information, please get in touch with Colin at colin.squires at kingdomfaith.com. And also, if you're not in our congregation and want support or to connect with somebody, please feel free to email puredesire at kingdomfaith.com. So to respond to this word, 
If you'd like to stand and join with me and just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we just come before you right now. Father, we just come before you right now, Lord God, and we say, you are all we need. Father, show me those places where I've looked to other things to satisfy. Father, show me those wrong thinking or those lies that I've been believing. Father, all I need is you. Father, we just want to come before you and say that you are our everything. That in you, we can find our significance. In you, we can find our worth and our security and acceptance and love. everything we need is in you. So Father, I just pray in this season of time that you show us who we are in Christ. 1 Peter 5:10 says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. So Father, right now, we are believing for restoration. We are believing for strength. We are believing that we will be firm and steadfast in you. That Father, that you have called us into relationship with you, that nothing will shake us, nothing will take it away. Father, we thank you that you are for us. Father, you want to bring restoration in the body. Father, you want to restore everything that the enemy has stolen and we take it back right now in Jesus' name. And he will not have our children. He will not have this generation. He will not take the promise that you've given us the promise of life and life in all its fullness. And we take that right now. Father, we thank you for who you are and who you've called us to be. And we will not allow the enemy to rob us anymore. Father, and we just lift up marriages right now where there's been struggles and stress and lies and betrayal. Father, we just lift marriages up to you right now. Father, restore everything that the enemy has stolen. Father, restore back to us. We take back our marriages. We take back unity. We take back unity in the body. We take back unity in the marriage. Father, we just come right now and say, Lord, Lord, we surrender to your will and your way. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to bring us out of our worst days into our best days. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we take a step into our best days, the days that are so good, that are good, that are filled with healing and hope and freedom. We step into those days right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, and we just ask you to cover. You ask, we ask you to cover us with your grace of love. 
that we will be that people that you've called us to be, that we will offer grace and love. Father, where there's hardness of hearts, that you come by your grace and reveal your love, that you meet with us in a new way, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.